Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Thanks very much. I'd like to hand over to, uh, to Phil, who's going gonna to speak to us this morning. Thanks, Phil. Just pray for him. I mean, he's been prayed for already, obviously. <laughs> so, Father, I just, just thank you for Phil. I know he loves you passionately, and I just pray you give us, just help us to hear what you're saying through him this morning. Okay, well, good morning. Some people in the room, it's great. Responding. Um, this morning, we, we normally, this time of year, we would go for a vision talk. Um, we want to impart something of what we feel God's saying uh, to the church's elders, and usually that falls to me to do, which is fine. I enjoy doing that kind of talk. Um, and you kind of think then, well, what kind of vision talk do you do in a time like this? Because actually, we're not starting any great new adventure on something. We're not, we've not got some great program planned in. Uh, we've not been able to really advance things as we'd like to in some areas because of a lockdown situation. We're not able to do some of those things. But So this morning, while it will be something of vision, I also feel God just prompt me to share my heart. And so I'm going to do a bit of that this morning as well in what I'm going to say. And I haven't particularly got a text as such that I'm using, that you, but um, this is the thing that I've been living with, and I couldn't find a text really to match up to it, though there's lots about this in the Bible, but there's a line in a song, an old song by a guy called Kevin Prosh, and the song title will show your power, but the line is, your gospel, O Lord, is the hope of our nation. And I've just been living with that over the summer, and my, the only text I could find that was nearest to that was this in Mark 13, verse 10. For the good news must be preached to all nations. That's what Jesus said, talking to his disciples, was the good news must be preached in all nations. To all nations. And I don't think there's a time like now, ever in my lifetime, that needs the gospel more than it does right now. Our nation needs it. I had to change mics. My mic's gone apparently, so I do apologise. It restricts you a little bit when you're trying to use your hands to preach. Okay, so it's not about just a baby Jesus. Actually, it's about a risen Jesus. A glorified Jesus. A Jesus who wants to come and impact and change lives. And transport, transform a life. And so over the summer, I've been studying Peter. Now, Peter's an interesting character. He's just a working-class fisherman. I've not preached on this a few weeks ago. And uh, looking at particularly that first encounter with Jesus. And there he was, and just a, an ordinary guy, trying to make a way in life, trying to make a living, trying to get by. And I'm glad I'm not Peter, because all his failures and his successes are all recorded for his in the Bible from that generation from ever on. And we, none of us would like our life displaying like that, would we? None of us would like all our 
maybe our successes, but not our failures. Not the things that we've tripped up on, not the things where we've let ourselves and let God down or others. The secret sins, all that stuff, we wouldn't want to be out there. But for Peter, it was, and it is, and it's there for us recorded. And I was thinking about this, because here's a man who heard what Jesus said very Mark. The gospel must be preached to every nation. And then he's on this three-year journey of success and failure with Jesus. It's all out before Jesus. Did you know your life's already out before Jesus? There's no secrets with him. Nothing's hidden with him. Thankfully, is my life's hidden from you, a lot of it, thankfully. My past particularly. But actually, it was all out there in front of Jesus. And our lives always are out there in front of Jesus. And he sees everything. And in spite of knowing us as we truly are, knowing what we live like, what we're like, what our thoughts are, what our motives are, in spite of knowing all that, he still loves us as we've just sung. He still loves us amazingly. And he still loved Peter. Truly loved Peter. Seen all is success and failure. And he recorded for us in Matthew. In a few chapters, you can see a lot of it. Chapter 16. And it says, it says this. When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter replies, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Amazing moment. He's had that revelation. Fantastic. What a high. We'd all like that. And then, in the same chapter, a few verses later, Peter takes Jesus aside because Jesus has been talking about his death. And he takes Peter aside because Peter challenged him and said, he takes Jesus aside saying, far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. Utter failure. Not fully understanding that being the God of all glory, actually he came to pay the price for sin. Not having that revelation, but having the revelation of who he was, but not what he came to do. So only a few verses later, there's a failure gone on. And then he makes promise to Jesus that he can never keep. I will never desert you. In chapter 26, verse 33, again, a few verses on. Chapter 26, verse 70. Front to everyone, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. When they say, you were Jesus, weren't you? You were there. You've been following him around. Don't know what you're talking about. And then, just another two verses on, when challenged again, Peter denies it, this time with an oath, I don't even know that man. Blatant lie. Don't even know that man. And then again, a third time, two verses later, Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I do not know that man. Wow. Curse on me if I'm lying. Knowing full well he was lying. How many of us have done that? We wouldn't want all that out, would we? For everybody to see. Everybody to know. We just wouldn't. When you live perhaps closer with people, people get to know your faults and your failures a bit more and kind of put up with that. The elders put up with me quite a bit, my things, Sarah puts up with me, I always come up with something that Sarah, I test Sarah's grace quite a lot, and uh, we make fun of it, but uh, I come up with some bright ideas, one of them was a screen, something on the screen this morning, wasn't it Sarah, the background on the screen, there you go, 
I put this challenge before just on Friday morning. I want a picture of fire on the wall. And here we go. We've got fire on the wall. So here's a man with success and failure. Yet God spoke this over him. Upon this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And having done all the stuff he did, we go to Acts 2. And he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's the first one up to preach the gospel. To preach this good news to the nations that are gathered. That have come together. And he speaks to nations and they all hear it. They hear the gospel and 3,000 get saved. Transformation. A man changed. So what changed for Peter? Amongst all his failings, all the stuff he did, both good and bad, suddenly is this man that God spoke over, Jesus spoke a promise over upon this rock, declared that clear declaration. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What changed? And what changed was the Holy Spirit. What changed was the infilling and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what changed him. Now that's a biblical story that's going right back centuries now. But there's more of a modern day story I've been reading. I love this, love this book. It's one of my favourite books I've got in my book. is Smith Wigglesworth, 20th century, man of God. Died in 1943, I think it was. So around that time, maybe 47, he died. But he's a man of God and loved this book on post of faith. And he just tells some stories. And he's a man who's resisted God for many years. His wife prayed for him. Eventually he gets saved. And then she encourages him to preach. His wife was a preacher. She encouraged him to preach. And he says, I'm no preacher. I can't do any of that. He's a plumber. I'm not a preacher. I can't do any of that. And his wife encourages him. And he gets up to preach and makes a mess of it several times until he gets it. And he begins to preach. But not only does he preach, God breaks him when he preaches. Things happen. And in this book, I just want to read you this quick story. I just love it so much. One day I saw a man coming to, to my house. I noticed there had a very great difficulty in getting up the steps to our front door. But he managed to pull himself up some way or other by the railing. And when he had taken a seat, he said, If my people knew I was coming to your house, they would never have let me come. You have the worst name than any man I've ever heard of. Has he seen that somewhere when you go into their house? You've got the worst name. John Baxter, you've got the worst name of any man I've ever heard of. Just wouldn't have would it? If this is your opinion, I replied, your opinion of me, you can get out of my house. For I don't want anyone in this house who doesn't believe in me. Oh no, he said. I believe in you. Please do not put me out. If you knew my terrible condition, you would never send me away. Put your hand on my leg, you will. See. I did, and found it was like a board, not like a leg. I said, it feels strange. What's the problem? What's the trouble? It is cancer. All the leg from top to bottom is cancerous. Oh, will you not send me away, will you? He replied, I replied, I will not send you away. I will go and see what God says about this. As I waited for the Lord, the words came to me. Go tell that man to fast for seven days and seven nights, and his flesh shall become like a little child's. I told him what the, man had, what the Lord had given me. 
And he said, I believe all that God has said to you. I will go home and do all that God has told me to do. Now, that's obedient faith. God loves faith, uh, obedience that comes from faith. So he goes and does that. Four days later, I was looking through the window, and there was this man. But instead of having to hold, take hold of the railing and pull himself up like a sick, sick man, he jumped up those steps and came running round to the house like a boy, crying out, I am perfectly healed. I said, what are you going to do now? He answered, I'm going back to fast for the further three days and nights, but I thought I would come and let you know what God has done already. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing story. I love stories like that. And this man then tells, I'm golfing, I'd love to read the whole chapter. It's great. But this man then tells him, I've heard about people in Sunderland who are receiving gifts of tongues, being baptized and receiving the gift of tongues. So would you like to come with me and go? So they go. And when he gets there, he's warned. I say, this is of the devil. So they tell, so this is of the devil. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go and do that. But he says, I was hungry for God, so I went. And this, this is the thing that really troubled me in some respects, but excited me as well. Was that he said, he went to this meeting to receive the Holy Spirit. He says, and nothing happened. In fact, he said, we have more fire in our meeting and they did there. The night before I left to come to Sunderland, people were just laid out on the floor in the power of the Holy Spirit. We had the and they had. Eventually, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues, but not necessarily because of all that stuff, but because he was already filled with the Spirit, and he knew he was through what God was doing. But the thing that caught me was the fire. And God said to us a year ago, we were a fire church. Over a year ago now, he said, you're a fire church. And that's why I wanted that putting up on the screen. Because we're a fire church. God spoke over us, but what's the evidence of a fire church? What would be the evidence? You see, the evidence for Peter, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, was 3,000 get saved, men get healed, people get healed in the shadow. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's having fire on our lives. And actually, God doesn't choose the wise. He doesn't choose the educated. He doesn't choose those that are really gifted in preaching, and I'm not gifted in preaching, but he doesn't choose those kind of people. I'm glad he doesn't. He chooses people who are just open to him. He chooses people who are not that gifted, not that well off. He chooses ordinary people, a plumber from Bradford, or a fisherman from Galilee. He just chooses them. He makes them into fireballs. And they go out and they speak the gospel. I pray for the sick and they get well. And they cast out demons. And I don't want anyone to go from here to somewhere else and say, they've got more of the faith than we've got here. I'd rather you go somewhere else and say, actually, we've got more faith back home. I want to be back home. I want to be back in home church where the fire is. Because if that's true of us, then there's got to be some evidence. There's got to be evidence of fire. There's got to be evidence. And you see, these things in each one of us that God wants to call out. It's not about how great your gift is, how good your gift is. I was listening to a talk recently, and this they just said, you know, we've got many gifted men and women that we put upon platforms and we promote into places where they don't carry the anointing. And it's the anointing that breaks the heavy yoke. It's the anointing that makes the difference. The anointing of God that breaks through and breaks in. And we can have a great preaching gift, and we've got some of them, but without the anointing as well, it's just a preaching gift. It's just, it's just a talk. 
It's just almost going through the motions of it. And God wants a church that is on fire. You know, we looked at this even, this is a journey God's taking us on, because God keeps bringing this up. Certainly for me, he does anyway, because it wasn't what I was thinking I was going to preach on when I did a vision talk. Because so I was thinking, I was going to talk really about how we're expanding now. We've got Bakewell site and what's our next site going to be. And we're going to have multi-sites right around the Peak District where we're going to gather and all that. And I do want all that and we are going for all that. It's in our heart to do that. But without the fire, it's just another meeting. I, I love church. I love the people of God. I love gathering together. I love it even more when God shows up. And he does regular for us. He's here. He meets with I remember a meeting I was once in a church I was leading. And I got to church one Sunday morning and I just didn't feel the presence of God. And the worship had started and I just felt, didn't feel God at all. I was almost at the point of getting up to stop meeting. I thought, what's the point of carrying on? If God's not here, I'm not going to carry on. So I was at the point of getting up to stop. So let's just go have a cup of tea. And suddenly I felt this warm breeze. So I looked around, see so you on the door or done some, nothing had changed in the room. God turned up. And suddenly the presence of God was so intense. It was amazing. I, just the encounter of God that morning was amazing. See, I don't want to come to church and not meet God. I don't want to come to church and not encounter Jesus. I don't want to come to church, whether it's on a live stream or in a building. I don't want to come and not meet with him. I don't know about you. I don't. And I've run out of time. I've got so much more I wanted to say this morning, but I'm out of time. We need to finish in a moment. So I just want to stir that fire up. I want to stir you up with a desire for the fire of God. You see, these things God's put in you, and it just needs the fire of God in it to bring life to it. Each one of us, each one of us, God's put, put things in us, each one. We've all got something, and he's put us in places where we can bring the fire. And it might, it's not, the fire is not all about being in a church meeting, gathered here. The fire is taking it out there. It happened in Smith Wiggles' home. The fire came. A man gets healed of cancer in his leg. It can be in your office. It could be when you meet people on the street. It could be over the fence with a neighbour. Could be at a school gate. Could be in your classroom. Could be anywhere. You see, this is for the whole church. I'm speaking to the whole church today, young and old. If we want to see schools changed, then let's get our kids on fire. Get our kids on fire. If we want to see schools changed and transformed, it's not up to the teachers. It's not up to the adults. Get the kids on fire. They'll see their kids get, their peers get saved. They'll see them on fire. They're on fire. It's for everyone to get on fire and to seek after this. And the thing that Smith said is he went suddenly, he, said, he went because he was hungry for God. How hungry for God are you? What's your hunger for God? What's your hunger for him and reality with him? And I've got to finish on that note. So let me pray for you. If you want to just know you want more of God, you want more, you want to stir by that fire of God, wherever you are, if you're at home, if you're in one of our venues, I want to ask you to stand. And I'm just going to pray. This is an opportunity just to respond to God. I'm standing because I want more of it. But I've stood to preach anyway. But I'm standing because I want more of it. But if you do, you stand where you are. Whether in your living room, if you're in bed, get out of bed. 
stand up, put your coffee down, Sunday paper down. Let's just be expectant now for God. Let's be expectant for fire. Let's be expectant that God wants a church on fire in the Peak District. God's promised fires all over the Peak District. Let it start in us. Let us be part of that fire in the Peak District. So come Holy Spirit. Thank you that you come and set lives ablaze. You come and set hearts ablaze. You come and set gifts ablaze. Holy Spirit, you come, Lord, and you touch our lives and you transform us just as you did for Peter. And we can spend lots of time looking at Peter's life. But, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, that we don't have to look right back to Peter. Even in our modern day, in our times, Lord, you've done it on men. Lord, you've just come on the men and women. You've come on with fire and you've transformed them. Lord, I pray for each one of us right now, whether at home, whether here, in these venues that we're meeting in God, I want to pray now, let fire come on our hearts, stirring us a hunger for you, stirring us a greater desire, Lord God, this gospel that this world now needs to hear, more than any other time perhaps in our history, God, I want to pray, stir us for the gospel to go out, signs, wonders following. Come and stir us with that fire, God, I pray. Come and stir our hearts for what you want to do in our day. Lord, I pray that, God, we might see a changed, transformed church. We don't want mediocre church. We want a fire church, as you have spoke over us. So come and do it in us, as we just open ourselves, as we respond to you right now. Come and do it for your glory, we pray, that your great name may be known in the United Kingdom. For your glory, for your glory, we pray. For your glory, God, do it in us. Come and stir us, I pray, right now. Holy Spirit, come and stir us in Jesus' name. Amen.